Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. A really warm welcome to episode 19 of Purposely Podcast. I'm delighted to bring one of you my favourite charities and favourite founder CEOs, Jamie Fielden. His story is a co-founder story with his mum, Tish Fielding who has a background in psychotherapy. For context, this episode was recorded before the second lockdown due to the pandemic in the UK, but I'm gonna to touch base with Jamie to see how things are faring at the moment. Enjoy. It's nighttime for me and daytime for him. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, Mark. Good to connect after all these years. Indeed, yeah. yeah. I think I saw you in, uh, in Sirencester last time. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, feels like an age ago. The, it does. Where I was going to start was um, my first brush with Jamie's farm, um, and we'll go. I'll go into your story in, um, in in great detail. But my first brush was I was running the Bath Half Marathon, uh, which for those of you who haven't done it, it's just coming out of winter. It's two circuits of Bath, the flattest parts of Bath. Thank, thank <laughs> God for that. Um, and I saw this vest. I saw a lot of your vests actually saying Jamie's farm. And I must admit, I very stereotypically thought it was something to do with Jamie Oliver. Uh, and they <laughs> Don't talk chef. about him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's not. It's not. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And then actually, brilliantly, um, got to know you really well and got to learn about your story and got to visit your one of your farms in, in Box. Um, and we'll kind of, we'll probably touch on the Jamie's farm thing at some point, but could you give me a, uh, you know, give our audience um, the sort of um, elevated pitch on, on what it is and what it does? Sure. So um, we bring children from the cities to live and work with us on uh, our four working farms. Um, they stay with us for a week, 10 to 12 children at a time. Um, and those children are those at risk of exclusion from school. So uh, we work intensively with them to motivate them and improve their behaviour so that when they go back to school, um, they can thrive. Um, but the vehicle that we use is, is the working farm, uh, real jobs, real purpose, hard work, being part of the family for a week um, and some therapeutic input from our skilled staff as well to try and yeah. improve their behaviour. Mm. And those farms... Uh... Because I, when I came to see you, you just had one farm, I think. And so that now East Sussex, you had that one in Wiltshire, the, f- the first one, which is also your head office. Yeah. Um, Mo- Monmouth and Hereford were, were a sort of a dream, but they've now happened. They, they've now happened, yeah. And mm. we've also set up a city farm in um, London, right in the heart of London, uh, in Waterloo, just below the train tracks, actually, to, uh, to do follow-up work with those kids that come from London. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. And that's uh, with Oasis uh, Charity. That's right. That's yeah, sort of partnership. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we are, we are actually, so <laughs> the one good thing to come out of COVID is we are uh, starting to work on a joint venture in the north as well, um, which is oh, exciting. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I do want to talk about COVID because I know um, it will have affected you probably more than others. But just in terms of a bit of a deep dive into how you select those children, how those children differ to other kids that you don't you know like how you select mm. um because I've, I've been down and sort of um seen it firsthand and was incredibly impressed but just gives us an idea of how you work with them um and then other issues around you, you, it's only for a week but you you do follow up and and what does that there's a lot of questions but that sort of um what do the, the kids go through on that week with you because I imagine you know from the start the middle of the beginning it's it's quite up and down Mm. So um, we did a bit of work with a charity around, uh, well, actually, it's, it's, it's a kind of uh, foundation who give money. And that we, we did a bit of work with them uh, around who we select and why. Uh, and they came up with a kind of lifeboat scenario where, you know, there's a school of a thousand kids. You can only put 12 kids on the boat and save them. Who are you going to bring? Um, uh, that kind of certainly sharpened the mind a bit around pupil selection. But we're we're looking at those kids who are struggling to engage who are causing problems in schools who are probably creating a lot of teacher stress um but who are heading towards potential permanent exclusion so um in 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 this country it's a big deal if you get kicked out of school 
your life chances just go through the floor really you're you're very well you're very likely to end up in prison um uh, the average cost of a child who's excluded from school will cost society 300 grand because of their engagement with criminal justice system, et cetera. Um, so we're, we're really trying to prevent that. Um, and so that, that's kind of the selection bit. And we work with the school around who, who they think would benefit most. But we, you know, we, we spend a lot of time working with them to, to, to get the right kids on the trip. Um, and, and thankfully now, cause we've been around for a long time. I was 40 last year, last week, actually. So I'm now feeling very old and Jamie's farm's been going for 12 years. Uh, but, um, because we've been around for a while, we've got very long standing um, relationships with schools. So they really understand what we do and who would, who would benefit. Um, so that's the kind of selection bit. Then, um, the going into the school and meeting the kids that are coming getting them to sign a contract that says no smoking and, and essentially no screens during the week. So no phones, no technology, no phones, no yeah, phones. I remember you talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. We stuck, we stuck firmly with it. And any of those sort of core rules, if we've ever bent them, we've been reminded of why we have core rules. You know, that's, that's one of them. And that, that's very, right. firm. uh, uh, so we get to meet the kids before they come and then they, they get on a bus or a coach or, or you know, whatever, and come down to the farm um and they spend five days with us uh getting a blend of what i talked about earlier so kind of the farming the family and the therapy uh yeah yeah and and what so one of the you know schools of thought could be that you it's such an incredibly rich experience but it's also incredibly different to a lot of the inner city kids lives that you you know pluck out of of central london or south london or east london and and that you sort of you, you're potentially giving them a awakening moment, but then they're going back to the kind of stuff in their life that isn't so good. Mm. Um, but I but I know quite early on you you put a lot of effort into the post work. Just describe how that operates and how that came about. That kind of realization needed to do that. Yeah, so I think I think I think the kind of at its worst, what Jamie's farm could be is kind of come and have a glimpse of something wonderful and then miss it forever you know <laughs> um, mm. but that's really not what we're about we're, from the day the children arrive on the farm we are talking about them going back and we're making sure that they are thinking about what they're learning how they're going to process that and how they're going to put that into action um, we see ourselves kind of as the catalyst but we see the staff from the school as the ones who are going to take it back and carry it on in schools um, so we equip them with everything we feel we can so that they're able to go and carry on the process so um when the children go back to school we send a report on each child on what we've observed what we've learned and how we think they can best be supported um we send a certificate which uh basically celebrates all of the kids achievements during that week and we send that to their parents and that includes a picture of them in their favorite place on the farm so that they can share the positive experience with with their parents um and then at its best, lots of schools set up a kind of Jamie's Farm Club where they'll be meeting each week together, revisiting the challenges that they set themselves on the farm um, and making sure that they sort of stay true to what they committed to while they were here um, yeah, with the support true. of their teachers. Yeah. Fantastic. And I think just sort of um, moving towards Jamie's Farm, the, the business or the charity. Yeah. So, what, one thing I've been impressed, you've still got Jake with you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, which is great. So almost a, he's a pretty much co-founder. J Jake Curtis, we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah, he came, he came uh, in about yeah. eight years ago. Yeah, and he's, he's now deputy yeah. CEO. So um, great. that was our, if I go under the bus, he's there ready to do it um, and take okay, over. Perfect. But he's, he's also, yeah, he's, he and I, <laughs> we spent a lot of time together through the last few months kind of scratching our heads and, trying to make plans really uh but he's he's I, wonderful I and um and actually we do, you know we've got a lot of staff who who stick around and um and who sort of make it what it is really yeah and with without um you know she's not your mum at work i'm sure but <laughs> your mum's your mum your mum is a psychotherapist isn't she and she was the sort of you were the you were the teacher slash farmer um, she she was the psychotherapist slash farmer. Would that yeah? Right? That's she a good way of putting it. Yeah, and she I mean she really is the co-founder. She's 
she's the kind of brains and methodology behind it all um but also the warmth and the kind of love that she shares is something that has kind of stayed as a thread through what we do and our staff have learned from it and created that across all the farms for the children so uh, she's still fully involved actually she uh it was quite funny. She had a hip operated. She had a hip operated on last week. She had a new hip, uh, and within an hour, she was on email. Um, I'm not sure how coherent it was due to the drugs, but uh, she's, you know, it, it remains kind of absolutely, uh, you know, one of the biggest things in her lives, and, and she's very, um, yeah. very committed to it. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, yeah, my memory of um, Jamie's fire. A couple of things stick in my mind. Probably three actually. One is the shared meal experience mm. and that real great atmosphere that you created around the fire around the around the kitchen table um and then i think secondly was this memory of the total engagement of the children with the animals like that relationship mm. yeah. with the animals and the kids is huge and then extending to uh and put very glibly but horse therapy yeah. which yeah. i found fascinating at yeah. the time and saw that in action mm. so just describe that and the relationship with the animals that the kids form. Yeah, so I suppose, as I said, kind of at the heart of it is a working farm and um, we make no bones about the fact that we are reasonable commercial scale farms, um, but where animal welfare is paramount and where those animals create jobs that need doing for the kids. So, you know, before the kids have their breakfast, they go out and feed all the animals for an hour and a half, no matter what, you know, what the weather's doing. Um, but they gain a lot of kind of confidence uh, and respect and purpose from working alongside the animals. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we've, we've got, you know, piglets, calves, lambs everywhere. And, um, but, but importantly, we do also have horses and, and, and that work is very therapeutic because that's about the child forming a relationship with the horse and gaining the respect of the horse. And then, um, yeah, kind of a- a- acting that out. So, um, yeah, the therapeutic horse work is, is, is very important and it tends to be probably the most important memory that a lot of kids go away with. If you ask them about what, what they remember most and what they enjoyed most and what um, was most meaningful, it often is that work between um, our sort of skilled therapists, the horse and the, and the child. Um, um, yeah, so that, that that continues to be an important part of of the mix, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose one thing that I found completely shocking was, you you know, there'll be these kids from inner city London who have come to stay with you guys who have who have not barely been out of their postcode, you know, let alone yeah, into central London. Yeah. But, yeah, been and in, into the country just didn't happen. Um, going, sort of focusing on your founder story and and you know 2008 was a global financial crisis but prior to starting jamie's farm in a really difficult marketplace um you you were uh, a teacher um you and you brought some animals to school just describe how the sort of um it all came about that'd be great because i think that'd be fun and fascinating yeah so, so i joined um a scheme called teach first which uh was well we were the first every year so we were the guinea pigs and and there were just 180 of us but now 2,000 people a year do it uh and basically it was six weeks intensive training then straight into the toughest schools in London um which which was kind of a crazy thing to sign up for in retrospect but um but something that very much changed my life uh so I I was um sent to teach in the sort of south pole of London in a place called Croydon um in a school with 65 nationalities and at that point only 13% of the kids were getting the qualification to go on and study further so only 13% were getting five ACs at GCSE um and it was a tough environment <laughs> it was you know it was uh you were getting told to F off by every child in every lesson for the first month, um, largely because they were testing you to see if you'd stick around because most people in their lives, to be honest, had let them down. So, uh, you know, and I, yeah, it was, it was tough, but I just started to think about kind of ways that I could bring some of the privileges, some of the opportunities I'd had 
particularly through growing up in a kind of rural environment and with farming going on um, to those kids and how not how that could educate them about farming, but how that could improve their behavior and give them uh, more meaning and purpose, really. So uh, so the first thing we did was bring some lambs to school, which was kind of crazy. Luckily, the head teacher would just say yes to everything. So when I suggested it, he was up for it. and I drove, I drove through central London with the lambs in the back of the car, kind of bleating out the window, which um, Love that. <laughs> was something else, really. Uh, but um, that, that was just the start of it, really. And, and, and actually, they, you know, just having a few animals in the playground was a really um, important thing. And, and, and it was really positive, but it, it wasn't um, going to necessarily create uh, lasting change in the way I wanted to. So. So the next step in 2006 was to pilot um, bringing children down to the farm. Um, well, to my mum's home, actually, uh, which wasn't really a farm, but we're kind of small holding with a few animals. Um, and so we, we brought seven children from that school to stay uh, and discovered that, that the mix was, was good. And that, you know, with real engagement from us and hard work and um, weathering the ups and downs we could end up in a great place after five days uh, uh and so we we piloted it then and we piloted it quite a few more times before i went full-time in 2008 and at that point we really got into gear and started raising money and growing the charity yeah yeah because your um income is up around two and a half million now and you and what's fantastic for me is i i work with you and your your dream was to have four and you you did it um and you know that the timing of covid i i was i was gutted for you um (laughs) because uh you know at the end of the day it's a in-person experience experience which are the things that have been hit most by covid um how's it been for you you and how's it been for the charity yeah it's um as you say you know uh basically this was the year where we were going to have four farms that we set up that were running well uh and also the big aim of this year was that we would move from more um earned income than than fundraised so basically it was going to just tip into into a bit more earned so so our earned income comes from schools comes from farming and comes from letting our houses at weekends when the kids aren't here um and yeah we were really excited we kind of worked damn hard and had a fairly furious period of expansion over the last couple of years and so it was kind of all it was all looking good and then and i remember you know i'll always remember that day in march where we had just one group all the other farms were empty by that point because of covid but bath we had a group here who had um special dispensation from the um department for education and so they'd come down but that special dispensation was withdrawn on the Wednesday. So um, it was a special school from London and there were 12 kids here and they were, they were absolutely loving it. And then suddenly the farm was empty, the farm was quiet. And, um, you know, it felt like there was absolutely nothing we could do to get out of the hole, really. Um, you know, because we couldn't... Normally we'd, we would pivot in this direction and that and do day visits or do you know or let the houses or you know there was absolutely nothing that we were allowed to do for a period of two or three months um i mean the one thing we could do which i did do was look in my address book and just get back in touch with people who'd supported the charity over the years and it was really amazing how how people stepped forward and helped to secure our financial position so that so that that part of the crisis wasn't as extreme as it might have been. Um, we're also lucky because of the furlough scheme where the government paid our staff through that period. So as soon as we could, we all of our staff who worked with the kids went off um, and were furloughed and paid by the government. So that, that kind of really helped. Uh, uh, but, you know, so we, we, we got fundraising and we also kind of, we were just contacting anyone to see if they wanted to bring kids and whether uh and around the start of july we did start to have groups returning here to bath mostly families so families who were working with social services um and 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 it was just again that moment of seeing people return to the farm that 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 chatter that laughter laughter in the courtyard uh 
it, it, it just meant so much because, you know, myself and all of our staff, we get why we're here and what we're here to do. <laughs> and we get a great buzz from doing that. And um, when you're looking at, you know, I'm, I'm looking out on, the, on this farm at the moment is the most wonderful, beautiful farm. Um, and it's currently empty again because that's kind of where, where we are. Uh, it's, it's heading towards a more difficult time again. Um, but, but the good news is that we, we have done some work through this. We've done some work in the Lewis farm. We've done some work in the Bath farm. Uh, we've done one week in the Monmouth farm. Sadly, the Hereford farm hasn't had any, but, um, we do have lots of day visits booked for, uh, November and December. And we're really hoping that those can happen and that restrictions allow for that, um, the, the, the big factor at the moment is that the government has said no school trips. So they haven't, that's not nuanced in any way. They haven't said, but maybe if there's 12 kids going to a farm where they're going to be outdoors most of the time, that's okay. Uh, sadly, they haven't said that. So, you know, we feel that we can operate very safely at the moment, but um, we're not able to do so with our core normal product. So, yeah, so we're kind of, we just... We're just waiting for that moment where where things start to improve again and where it just it, it kind of heads. We head out of this and, um, you know, I suppose a vaccine will be the key thing. And, uh, um, but, yeah, it's just, yeah, we want to we want to do what we're here to do. And we want we want kids on our farms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very yeah. frustrating. And so what what was it like for you personally? How did you how, what did you learn about yourself as a leader? I would say probably the most challenging time professionally because you know ultimately you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> but you're a so, you know yeah. social entrepreneur. And did what? Yeah, you know, what was it like personally? What did you learn about yourself? Well, yourself? yeah, I mean, I I'd love to say I sort of remained eternally optimistic throughout, but I haven't. <laughs> no, I suppose uh, I, I've sort of felt it was incumbent upon me to worry a bit and to try and look as far forward as possible and to try and take action to really make certainly our financial base as secure as possible because that 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 just sort of feeds everything else um i yeah i was i was angry and i was i was hurting for the first few weeks i'll, I'll be honest it was it was really hard but then i i did you know quite quickly realized that i as ever kind of you know as of the organization you have to keep a smile on your face you have to come up with solutions you have to be energetic and uh quite quickly I, I i managed to kind of pull myself together and say you know uh we've got to do this but um i think i think our staff really appreciated uh us as leaders being transparent being honest about the situation um communicating throughout um but also trying hard to kind of keep the culture alive because, you know, we don't exist without our good people and their commitment and them going the extra mile for the kids we work with. Um, so we never, we just, we just wouldn't get the outcomes we get with our kids if our staff weren't fully engaged. So we just tried our best to kind of keep people uh, with us, keep people excited about our mission um, and, you know, but that's hard because every time you try and rev people up, then <laughs> there seems to have been another knockback. Um, but yeah, um, yeah it's it, it, it certainly tested my positivity. You know, um, uh, yeah. yeah. And I think people all experience the kind of grief curve, like the the sort of shock denial burning slow realization depth of despair <laughs> then slowly slowly coming out of it and i think you know around the globe people experience mm. those feelings and and if you're if you're in a leadership role um you know like you've experienced it even more i guess and then to be on the end of a you know furloughing or redundancy worse um but yeah it kind of highlights i think how good we had it in life <laughs> for me uh, and also how necessary your work is one one thing that really stands out for me about you guys, um, I know that St. James's Place Charitable Foundation have, have really stood by you, um, which is kind of testament probably more to you guys than them, but it, about your relationship building. So all your funding relationships, I always thought with Jamie's Farm, it was, it was not um, 
quick fast but thing it was a you know like genuine partnerships between you and your funders and you know you've been really good at um that stuff and that wasn't necessarily your you know you you were a teacher first and um getting into sort of fundraising and partnership building is that something that you just got got good at or <laughs> um, was there someone... well it's interesting you mentioned st james place because you know they were one of the who stepped in during the crisis uh and that and that yeah and that and that was kind of on the basis of um of a, of a strong relationship uh i don't know i think i think i think we're lucky in that what we do is relatively simple <laughs> uh it's it's the story is relatively simple of kind of you know that i've just told you know kind of what the steps to getting to where we got to um and also i i you know i I mean, I'm a massive extrovert. When I did Myers-Briggs, I'm like <laughs> extreme on the extrovert scale in that I get all my energy from, my, from being around people. Um, and therefore, I, I'm very lucky in that, in that I look upon those that fund us as, you know, almost friends, a lot of them. You know, there's kind of good, strong relationships there. And, um, uh, and, 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 and most of the time, they're relationships that feel very respectful uh and um kind of like there's yeah like it's really enjoyable to see those people and spend time and tell them what we're up to you know um and that's and mm. that's that's the good thing about having been around for quite a long time but um yeah from the from the early days i enjoyed getting out and telling people about what we did and um and that seems to have um have sort of stayed stayed firm um it, it is hard yeah. because you know, you, now there's a lot more relationships, you know. Uh, so it's kind of working out how to um, how to keep all of those uh, alive. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you don't, because a lot of it, you know, it was a relationship with you. So it's, you know, it's named after, after you. Um, it's very much linked to your personality, like you say, your big personality. Um, and and as a charity grows, you know, you don't want it to be about the founder so mm. much. You want it to be uh, ab- about others and you want it to be sustainable in that way. Um, I thought you had, because I sort of a, was S- with SJP then and I approached it and I thought it had the simplicity, you're right. Jamie's farm, um, whether you did a sneaky Jamie Oliver kind of thought there, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe it certainly worked for you. I think it was <laughs> there was a little you, bit of that. There was, yeah. there was a kind of calculated. Was risk, there a little yeah. bit of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, have you, has he been? No, the farm? no. Um, or farm. I sound very pretentious. I did meet him at Buckingham palace once, <laughs> um, hey. uh, but he wasn't very interested if I'm honest. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't that interested in what we were doing or at least he didn't seem it then. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and and actually, you know, there are huge. Um, well, there are some benefits and definitely some risks of of of, um, of naming it, naming your charity after yourself. You know, uh, that comes with yeah. different. But but I think I think where where we ended up, one of the reasons we named it the Jamie's Farm is because our trustee uh, Jonathan Dimbleby, um, the broadcaster, he was one of our early trustees, and he just. Um, felt it kind of gave the right feeling and atmosphere to the charity. And, um, you know, we had all sorts of really clunky titles like agriculture for city children and God knows what, which just I don't think would have worked. So, And it, and it was also because in those days we'd already run 10 or 12 visits and all the kids just called it James Farm. So, you know, that kind of worked quite nicely mm. with them as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and brand, branding is important because... I, I actually agree. I don't think it would have lasted as long. The, the other thing that struck, struck me when I came down was actually it had this sort of uh, warmth and gimmickiness of Jamie's Farm. Um, it was attached to you as a person, but actually it stacked up from a – it was really well thought through. There was a methodology which your mum, as you say, she's a psychotherapist and responsible for. There were boundaries that were really clear, clearly defined, and you'd, you would have learned that stuff on the – pilot mm. you know, through the pilot process um what what were some moments like what were the that we thought oh, this is all this is going to get closed down or like kids went r- missing because you know like boxes are pretty <laughs> lovely part of the world um 
uh, are there any kind of the neighbors uh, well you mentioned stuff? you mentioned kids any, running any off i mean well there were kind of a couple of things i mean there was at my mum's place there was a boy called um glenn who was a pretty tough kid to be honest he he ran off uh he he was followed by one of his staff for a mile and he eventually climbed into a field and then screamed that there's man-eating cows here and ran home with his tail between his legs so um that was that was quite good we had we had a kid run away in hereford followed by a member of our staff uh and this was when our staff were very green in the early days of the farm and they'd actually they called the police but um because the SAS are based near there, it was actually the military police armed that turned up. So the poor kid got an absolute shock, but he, he came home again and tail between the legs. So there was, um, there was a bit of that. There was, in, in, in terms of locals, I actually um, had a load of friends to stay at my mum, my mum's when I was a kind of uh, uh, a partying 25 year old. And, uh, uh, and they, they were all staying. We'd had quite a heavy Friday night. Uh, and first thing on the Saturday morning, um, uh, two neighbours from the new farm turned up uh, and kind of accosted me and wanted to grill me about every element of what we were planning to do here, um, which was a bit of a shock. Uh, so, you know, there, yeah. in, in the early days, there was a, and, and interestingly, those neighbours came round hugely and became supporters of the charity and really, uh, really, really changed their attitude. So, because we only work with 10 or 12 kids at a time because they're so well supervised and because uh, hopefully we run good farms that people can look into and, and, and see things that are being done in the right way. Um, and the fact that we're creating job opportunities in the areas we work in uh, and the fact that we are sometimes, well, often restoring historic buildings, all of those things actually lead to people really hopefully in the local area liking and supporting jamie's farm and we um for us it's very important to be very kind of rooted in that community and um and so sort of from some slightly <laughs> interesting moments at the start we've um we've ended up we've we've ended up in a really good place with all our communities and I'm, it strikes me that you know 12 years on you've got you know graduating once were children no longer children have you have you kind of had contact with those you know now now near yeah now, i mean we get we get great letters emails um cards from people telling us about where they've ended up so one girl got in touch and said that she now has her own family and she um makes a makes a big deal of the fact that they all sit down for dinner together every night and that came from jamie's farm and she she talks about the fact that um, her work with my mother 12 years ago kind of informed her parenting style and, and you know those things are amazing um, the other exciting thing is that we've started apprenticeships and so this year we're employing two uh, 18 year olds who've been through the you know Jamie's farm program and come back to us to work for a full year uh, and that that feels great because we always said that we wanted to employ someone who, who'd been through Jamie's farm so we're going to build on that in the future um, and uh yeah we it feels like there's a there's a real resource actually um with those young people but also their voice is incredibly important in terms of um what's really important to the visiting children because i think as as you know a bunch of kind of middle class staff we can sometimes think about what we think is important but it doesn't necessarily relate to the kids experience so we're really really keen to hear that from them um, and for that to inform what we do yeah i think they'll be hugely valuable and there'll be more of them um as years go by what if anything have you noticed as a commonality between the you know very much selected kids because you, you you aim to one uh, recruit or bring down the ones that need it the most are there any commonalities that you've noticed over the years but as children how they're what they're coming from their behaviors when they're down at the farm or farms (laughs) 
I'm going to take a short break from the episode just to give Jamie a chance to collect his thoughts before he answers. Um, It's my opportunity to share with you a company that I'm passionate about. It's an online learning company with a difference. It's focused on the charitable sector. It's based out of the UK. You can visit its site on utopy, U-T-O-P-Y dot U-K forward slash home. You can gain insights, you can do courses based on fast-tracking you into the charity sector if you're looking at change your career, some expert coaching, insiders, guides to great topics. Anyway, check it out, enjoy the best of the show. Um, there is often a shell around each child that initially I think one can think you're not going to get there. <laughs> you're not going to... Uh, get through that shell and you're not going to be able to um, uh, make progress so so there is there is potentially a sort of fear at the start of the week often that 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 this is going to be tough however kind of our reasonably well honed process kind of very quickly breaks that down you know Um, so just going out on the farm within an hour of arriving you know children might be delivering a lamb within an hour of arriving uh uh, and just the kind of difference of this environment means that they um, often feel kind of, well, they feel challenged in certain ways, but they also feel that there's a peace and a tranquility that they can kind of respond to. Um, uh, and I think there's definitely a shape to the week where it's kind of um, potentially a kind of honeymoon followed by uh, a bit of a challenging middle to the week and then a real kind of crescendo at the end. Um and we, you know, we've learned over the years those different phases of the weeks. Uh, we've learned about how to handle those different behaviours. Uh, and we've also learned a lot about endings and how to handle that ending. Because one thing that, that my mum talked about a lot in the early days, and we experienced a lot that we now try not to experience, is children sabotaging the experience right at the end because it's easier to leave something that you've decided you hate rather than something you loved. So that final night can often be quite a a difficult moment where the children may be trying to go back to a lot of their um, existing patterns and behaviours and and potentially kind of rubbish the experience and break the bonds that they've built with us and the staff that they're visiting with. So we we work very hard to kind of talk about that with the kids, um, get them to articulate it rather than act it out um, and you know, as we, as we uh, have developed, we've become more successful than that. Mm, that's fascinating. Uh, and, uh, you know, something you've learned as you went along. What, are, what does your look, life look like? Are you, are you still living on a farm? Are you still at Box? Have, you know, you've, has your family grown? How do, you, how do you personally interact with work, the, the living farms, the pressures? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I lived on the farm for 10 years. Uh, and my um, my wife and I had our first baby here, so we well, we actually got married at the farm um, five years ago, uh, and then we lived at the farm and we had our first child, Flora, here, uh, who's now approaching three. Uh, and then at, just over a year ago, we moved to a cottage which is two hundred yards away. So uh, I now have my own front door, which is quite nice. Um, and I, uh, but I, I mean, you know, this morning seven o'clock I had my daughter on my back and we came up to the farm to look around and there's two calves that are supposed to be having a calf so we're checking what's going on there meet a few of the staff have a chat um so I'm sort of intrinsically linked with it and I do a lot of uh I suppose my physical hours at work have reduced since my family grew because I've also got another daughter Molly who's 11 months old um and um my physical hours at work are less but kind of the amount of headspace it occupies hasn't changed <laughs> quite regularly particularly through the last few months kind of 3am uh, moments where i wake up and start churning away on various problems and how to solve them um but you know it's kind of yeah it's nicely linked my my wife and the kids are, are really involved uh um and um i remain really positive uh around how lucky I am to do what I do because I, I am a passionate farmer. I love farming. I, um, 
you know, I, I still spend days on the farm, but they're, they're less. Uh, but, you know, I do that. But I also, as I say, get the chance to interact with loads of funders who I really get on with. Um, and then I, I have the big responsibility of kind of coming up with the strategic direction of the organization and building that with trustees and, and the senior team. But, but also kind of, you know, that's, that's like an amazing privilege really to think about where this can go and what we can do and how we can impact more children. Um, uh, so, yeah, so, and, it, and, 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 and that has all of that sort of has been tested in the last few months, but it remains, it remains there very strong, you know? Mm. And I think, you know, trying to take a easier said than done, but a, a longer term perspective on this is, you know, is, is can save your mind um, from, yeah. you know, yeah. falling under. What, was your wife from farming background or was? Oh, no, not at all. No, she, she was an international journalist with the BBC. Um, so she, uh, she is not passionate about farming. And so I have to kind of, moderate my time on the farm at weekends now um but i think she's fighting becoming more and more um she sees the benefits of it for our kids you know that environment and um my 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 three-year-old absolutely loves it as i say she tends to come up to the farm every morning with me um and um uh yeah so but she you know beth also sees that we live in a beautiful place where um yeah this is this is a great place i'm like a I I constantly um, going on about how all my friends from London should move down here. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you're socially distanced as a farmer, um, which is kind of covers off that piece. Yeah. Is, um, is, is Beth uh, Beth now um, in charge of your comms, or is she? Is she does she contribute? And uh, well, she contributes in lots of very useful conversations at home, and her opinion yeah. is yeah. Um, <laughs> is followed through on the, in lots of areas. But she's. Uh, uh, she remains with the BBC, so so we haven't kind of uh, mixed too much kind of work with our relationship. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, she's she's and she's actually really uh, understanding of the pressures and the challenges that come with it. But but over, overall, I think um, <clears throat> you know because because there is well being in everything we do. You know, we're in a beautiful place. We're on on a farm. We're eating amazing food. Like I'm really lucky that that. Um, that 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 that's what I experience every day. So, um, so actually, the stresses of it are, are kind of nicely counteracted by all of those good things. Yeah, and and you know, you're in the eye of a storm with the 11 month old. That's, um, that's a, <laughs> tell me about it. That's, that's two 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 reasons for it. I always think if things are stressful at work, and then but on top of that, you've got 11 month who's waking you up as well. So it's not a good combination, is it? <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's not. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, it's been. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think we are. The eye of the storm is 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 definitely the. I mean, it was interesting because actually, that first phase of lockdown in this country, like for us as a family, it was really amazing because there was a simplicity to it. I I still came into work, um, and I I you know I I was working quite hard, but when I came home, there were no no socialising and stuff. And for us, actually, we just had wonderful dinners every night in the garden in the sun with our kids and that that was really really good actually and it kind of reminded us of just how we're far too busy socially most of the time so yeah um, yeah so there was it, a... it gave people gave people permission to not do stuff out of courtesy i think didn't it so yeah you know you just and and family became a huge a huge focus which is great mm. what 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 yeah what what's the sort of medium to longer term vision for jamie's farm and and you know it, it's got your name on it, which is often difficult mm. in terms of handing over. But um, and also, just uh, have you heard of founder syndrome? Um, <laughs> yeah, Jamie. <laughs> so my best friends tell me about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, and just it'd be great if you could. So, vision for the future, and then just describe: is are we going to be worried about founder syndrome, and what sort of founder syndrome will you be uh, experiencing? Mm. Um. Vision for the future under my watch, I guess, is not major expansion, but definitely to have a farm in the north. So um, I've been getting to know an amazing guy who would like to support that happening. Um, and I think that is going to happen. Um, I think we, we recognise that we can't support all of the kids that we would like to support. But 
what we can do is have, you know, five really, really good farms that are centres for for those children, but which are also centres for sharing our practice with people. So, uh, you know, we, uh, my mum's written a book, which is going to be published this year. Um, we are trying to have a bigger voice in, um, in through, through our kind of PR um, as advocates for young people and what they need. So I think, I think kind of the impact that we're looking to achieve is not just through the, what will be about two and a half thousand children a year coming to our farms. Um, we want to be able to sort of help, help change the sector, if you like. So that's, that's the kind of vision. Um, yeah. In terms of my watch, like you, you alluded to earlier, like there are a lot of relationships that, um, uh, rely on me still and uh, but I get such pleasure in seeing a piece of funding come in that um, I've had nothing to do with <laughs> that I've, uh, because it you know it it proves to me and it proves to my colleagues that it can be done and and a lot of that is being done so so there is you know it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily rely on me anymore uh, uh, and I suppose you know, once I've got the charity through this crisis, I would like to think about what I might be doing, what, you know, what, where I'm adding value, where I'm not, um, uh, and potentially have, have, have a kind of additional challenge alongside it. So maybe reduce my days and do, do something else. I've, I've got a couple of non-exec roles that have been really interesting. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think I, I do need to keep asking the question and the trustees need to keep asking the question colleagues need to keep asking the question that you know whether whether i'm the right guy to be here <laughs> yeah i think that relationship with trustees and a chair is so important um has has your board stayed pretty s similar the same or has it evolved changed a lot over the years over that uh yeah so we've had um, a relatively stable group we've had the same chair throughout so he and i could both be kind of accused of um family syndrome but um and also I make no apologies really for the fact, you know, he's, he's my godfather. I've known him all my life. Um, I think there's a real benefit to that. And I think he can ask harder questions than anyone else might. He's, uh, he's pretty tough on me at times when he needs to be. Um, but, you know, I think he knows that, that he won't be chair forever. So he may move on. Um, the rest of the board has kind of, they've done around sort of five year terms um, and, and, and then switched uh, we, we've got a great board now, though. They're really supportive. They uh, they know when to kind of step in and they know when to step back. And um, I think I think kind of the key thing is that as an organisation, we've always met our budget and, and, and most years done better than we suggested we would. Uh, and I think that gives them confidence to not meddle in the minutiae of what we're doing and get super detail orientated. Um, uh, but they, you know, they, they, we had monthly kind of crisis meetings through COVID and um, they were very, very supportive. Yeah, I think it's not, yeah, nothing like a cash flow crisis to create the beginnings of the end for a board slash CEO <laughs> relationship. Um, and and I, I think monthly meetings during COVID you, is pretty good because it shows, a, you know, you're used to working with each other. There's a lot of trust. Um, and, you know, I think, I think being a leader through this period has been really challenging for people. Uh, and I, I yeah, it's, it's fascinating because you've, you've got a lot of sort of family in and around the business and, um, you know, and it works well in, in that way. sounds like it works well in that way in terms of you could actually challenge each other more than if you hadn't necessarily got those deep connections. Um, what, what to, just to um, finish off, what would be a message to uh, a younger Jamie, uh, now you've been through this 12 year experience and if anything, <laughs> Oh my God. Um, wow. I think, I think I was pretty defensive in the early days, actually. I think I was so determined around what I was doing that I really, I didn't listen maybe as much as I might have. Um, I think I listen more now. Uh, so I think kind of listen to those who, who want to support, um, but also be confident to push back when you do actually know what you're on about. Because I think 
one problem is if you spend a lot of time placating people, um, you can sort of make them think that you're uh, going to listen to their idea when you're not, <laughs> actually. So, mm. uh, so they're slightly contradictory. But I, I guess... Um, I guess the other thing actually as well is in those 3am moments uh, is just holding on to the fact that it'll always be okay. Um, And I'm quite good at sharing that message with our staff. Um, But I'm not sure I, you know, I do do quite a lot of worrying, which I think is a good thing up to a point, but I think it, it takes its toll if you're doing too much worrying. Um, and, you know, so I, th- I think just remembering it will always be OK because history has proven that, you know, Jamie's farm will be OK and we will get through this. Um, and, you know, this time next year, we'll be in a very different situation and kind of kind of giving in and, and, and uh, reneging a bit of control sometimes because the macro climate is is meaning you can't have control. <laughs> I think it's kind of it's kind of quite important. So it will be OK and just, you know try and lose a bit of control occasionally so yeah and get through it yeah because one thing that struck me is you definitely if you took uh, sport as a tool for social change or psychological change um you know emotional change um and, and then these other things that could impact that education could do it uh, a nurturing relationship but um you must be a world leader your team um have created a sort of thesis around farming animals interactions with and and you know sharing that story i think your the book that's going to come out um is going to be is a great idea because you know 12 years of doing this you will have learned a lot about what works what doesn't work um where the 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 points are um and i think that that could be potentially commoditized not that i'm here to give you advice jamie Mm. um you're doing all your right your own (laughs) (laughs) well you know we we enjoy sharing the story and um and interacting with others to, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, I, I, I think kind of in the future, I, I will, I get more and more of a buzz about going around and um, sharing the lessons we've learned and supporting others through that. And uh, yeah. Cause you've done a TED, you've done a TED talk, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I have. And Michael yeah. Jake's that... done one as well. Um, and uh, Terrifying. Uh, terrifying. Yeah. Very terrifying. I get, it's funny actually, cause I look back to where I was when I was, 24 and public speaking uh and in teach first we had to do a bit of that and i i was just so terrified and terrible at it but um you know i've been put through the mill with various things over the years with jamie's farm and so um i don't get as phased by those things now luckily (laughs) yeah 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 i bet you weren't as bad as you as you remember but um (laughs) i was pretty bad i was pretty bad (laughs) I think I think for me, of um, you know, passion's a big thing. Um, but interesting to you say about you as a leader and that you've evolved and that actually, you you kind of when you know you're right, you you just go for mm. it. Um, which you know, it, I think is, you know, everything you said to me tonight kind of rings tr- uh, true in terms of authentic leader. And I think people more and more in terms of leadership, it's not about, um, you know, whiz bang. It's about authenticity. Uh, as a human, so sharing a bit of the vulnerability, those 3 a.m. wake-ups, mm. but also some strength, you know, and um, all, all good, especially in the, in the sector we're in, because it's not easy. Um, great great to see that you're, you guys have developed some earned income. So when, when COVID's kind of over or ceasing, mm. um, you can get, get back into that. Absolutely. And that's, that's a big, big thing, sustainability. Mm. Um, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me. And um, I look forward to staying connected with you and Jamie's. Great. Really nice to catch up, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. I hope you like what you're hearing. Please subscribe and leave a review.